0: love talk radio
1: Land.
2: the land, divided we fall. Divided we fall. United we stand. United we stand. Think about greatness. Think about greatness. Your history. Your history. Without my people.
1: Without my people. Without my people. I would not be? 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 Without my people, I would not be. Where would you be?
3: Proud and Privileged, America's first African-American anytime drama, is getting ready for its first season and they want to celebrate with you, Chicago. Meet the cast and the production team of Proud and Privileged on Friday, March 23rd at the Prince Hall Masonic Temple, located at 809 East 42nd Place in Chicago, 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. Enjoy great music, networking, refreshments, and photo ops. $25 $25 in advance, $35 at the door. Advanced payment recommended to PayPal.com at Chicago's. That's Chicago with an S. Chicago's Black business network at gmail.com get on board by calling us at 312-239-8835 preview the trailer at tv. sponsored by south street journal chicago's black business network and wjpcfm chicago the soul of chicago You are listening to Chicago's Black Business Radio Network, all black, all news, all you, for Thursday, February 2nd, 2012. This broadcast is designed to service the African-American community in Chicago and around the world. Tonight's segment is Black Wall Street USA. Join us right here every Thursday evening, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m., for Black Wall Street USA with our host, Mr. Ron Carter, Chairman of Black Wall Street Districts, Chicago, and publisher and editor of the South Street Journal. I'm Sonia Cassandra Perdue, founder of Chicago's Black Business Network and author of Black America, Asking Ourselves the Tough Questions, Book One, 2010, and Mr. Carter's co-host for this e- evening's sex session. The show, this show is broadcast from Chicago, but with a national outreach to businesses and organizations around the world. We will reach out to organizations and individuals across the nation in our efforts to connect the dots, the spiritual dots of our people across this land. We will bring forth ideas and agendas that are already in place and let the nation know what works for us. It is our desire that we meet on common ground and work for the common good for all people. You heard it at the beginning of the show, I Love My People, gifted to us by Mr. Oba William King of Just Us Arts. You can visit this Chicago organization at www.justusarts.org. Our calling number is 347-326-9477. I'm going to open up the chat room for you in a minute, and uh, hopefully the channel will be in there to uh, collect your questions and comments for our guests tonight. You can leave your company information and website links in the chat room. That's how. That's how we connect. Tonight's show is great. I wound, I wound up uh, these, uh, what do I call them, monsters? I'm ahead of myself tonight. I've, I've drank two monsters. I don't think I should be doing that. But anyway, that's quite a bit. Tonight's show is a great show. The theme is what is ahead in 2012 for women in business and politics. Um, and we could not ask for two more qualified spokespersons on the topic joining us in this first hour will be princess Urinda. you can check out our show page for a full biography or visit the website for our organization which is light on the hill for Africa you can visit that website at light on the Hill, the number four africa.org that's w-w-w-l-o-t-h the number four africa.org the princess was born and raised in zambia africa she is a real african princess and she will share her historical background with us she migrated to the united states in 1985 and she currently resides in the chicagoland area Her passion is to see African-Americans and Africans from the motherland link up and establish strong global teams and collaboration for economic development, commerce, and industry. Development strategies that would include them being part of the decision-making process, all processes that affect us is something that we, we certainly need to be moving toward, and that is not always the case. As a matter of fact, it is almost Still rarely the case that we are making the decisions that affect us. She has so much to share with us on the topic of women in business and politics uh, because in the presidential election in Zambia in the year 2016, she will be running uh, for a congressional seat, and we certainly want her to share that experience with us. In our second hour, the Honorable Dorothy Brown, clerk of the Circuit Court of Cook County, of Illinois, will be joining us. Dorothy Brown was elected as the clerk of the Circuit Court of Cook County in Illinois in the year 2000 and has been reelected to two additional terms. Uh, Both of those victories were by overwhelming margins. As the official record keeper of all judicial matters, it is in one of the largest unified court systems in the world—not in the country, but only in the world. Clerk Brown is responsible for managing an annual operating budget of more than $100 million and has a workforce of over 2,100 employees. She will be joining us for the second half of the show. You're listening to Black Wall Street USA. Our host is Mr. Ron Carter, Chairman of Black Wall Street Districts, Chicago and publisher and editor of the South Street Journal, I'm Sonia Cassandra Purdue. We're going to take a short break, and uh, we're going to have Ron come back and give us an update on what's going on with South Street Journal, Wall Street District. Our call in number numbers 347-326-9477. We're going to see if I can turn this chat room up so if you can give us our questions. We're going to be right back after this break. We certainly want to thank you for joining us, and we are certainly looking forward to the show. And Welcome back to Black Wall Street USA I'm Sonia Perdue, founder of Chicago's Black Business Radio Network Our host is Ron Carter, chairman of Black Wall Street District Chicago And publisher and editor of the South Street Journal Our guest, the princess, is on the switchboard But let's uh, welcome the chairman to the show Ron, how are you doing? Welcome to the show
4: Well, thank you, Sonia It's my pleasure to be back here from our um talk show from last week was which was very intense as we uh, talked about boys becoming um uh to fatherhood, becoming uh, fathers. And now we're here back to the business and with a uh, Real interesting uh, topic of uh, women in business as it relates to Cook County and all the way uh, to Africa and back here to Chicago again. So it's my pleasure, and I feel good being back here and uh, being a part of our dialogue and our guests and as well as our listeners.
3: I think it's great that uh... – you know, in hosting these shows, we have such great opportunities that uh, we wouldn't even have otherwise, you know, in listening to the dialogues and meeting the people and sharing the information uh, that we do. Yes, there was a great show last week, uh, What Happens When Boys Become Fathers. This show is also great as we uh, reach across the Atlantic Ocean and uh, speak to the princes. and, you know, learn and get educated on some things that we probably assume and probably don't know and then have the great opportunity to speak to the clerk of, of cook county and get some updates about what's going on in that area so this is uh it it's just expands it, it spans the world or as the princess said this is a global dialogue that we're having tonight
4: Mm-hmm. That's it.
3: Yeah, well,
4: you know, we've been at the Black Wall Street have been talking about the business of our districts and to sustain and increase Black businesses, but there always been an agenda on the uh, across the Atlantic uh, on how we actually develop that business relationship. With our ancestors and brothers and sisters From the uh, the mother continent And how do we close that gap And again what is the future um, For Africa As it relates to this global economy And how do we use the resources That we have In order to make all this stuff happen So yes the world is great and big, but it's definitely getting smaller as we use the, the, the power of the Internet, but how do we actually have that power to touch our roots in developing our economic base, whether it's from 69th Street, 47th Street, 75th Street, and how does that happen uh, on those streets from Africa the same way it happens in China and Korea uh, and Japan in our communities as well. Uh, so I definitely want to get into the economics of, uh, of of Africa with the presses and what we need to do. I know it's been some ongoing conversations. It's been on the Black Wall Street agenda for a while, uh, so we're hoping that this dialogue can develop in some real form of action that we can make some things actually uh, happen. Um, there is a a documentary that I like very much, uh, and it's called uh, 500 Years. And this documentary tra- uh, traces the African and the, uh, I guess, looking at five continents that this documentary uh, reflects and how all five continents of black people uh, have that, that root of connection, whether it's from Brazil, um, Haiti, uh, the different countries of, of, of Africa, the United States, uh, even in Europe where there is a, a host of black folks. So, this documentary does chase uh does trace the the economics and the stereotypes and and the myths and so tonight I'm hoping that we can get into that as well, and especially based on the presses being a candidate for elected office, which brings some extra uh focus of how politics Internationally, into um, into into our everyday lives. So yeah, it's uh, it's growing, it's growing, and it definitely has some impact. It got to be implemented.
3: You're listening to Black Wall Street USA with host Ron Carter, chairman of Black Wall Street Districts, and I'm Sonia Cassandra Purdue. Let's welcome the princess to the show. Good evening, princess. Good evening. Good evening,
0: Good Ron
4: evening. Carter. Hello. Hi. How are you? It's been a while. Fine. We Thank met uh, you. twice. Uh, you came to one yes. of the uh, Black Wall Street summits, and then yes. you came to our office on 35th Street. And mm. Uh, mm. you uh, came on to the summit with the greeting. How did that greeting go <laughs> when you came? Yes, I'm to I hear that. Yes. And, uh, right, that woke us up to let us know that there is a culture that we have to connect yes. with. So what Rich have you and been up to? Oh, uh, so,
1: what
0: so have, much. What have you been up
4: to? What have you been doing?
0: <laughs> uh, Proving along, like totally standing in the pr- moment on the presence of who we are and what we're up to and working at that relentlessly, okay? So, Yes, I I've gotten a job because I realized I'm gonna be here for the next four years.
1: Okay, okay?
0: twenty sixteen hey, is coming you... up. Uh huh. Can you hear me?
4: Yeah. When you say you got a job, is that good or bad? How do you mean that? It's
0: good. You, uh... oh, no, no, good. Good thing. It's an amazing good opportunity. I got a job mm-hmm. uh, outside just my online profit um, undertakings. As as you well know, the economy has has been so hard. And a lot of nonprofits have suffered when when it comes to giving, and you know the donations have been really, really low so to mm-hmm. to to financially get myself well situated, of course, I got a job within my field of training, online training
1: okay,
4: okay?
0: with an with an amazing for profit higher education institution, so in other words, I'm actually inside the industry that links mm-hmm. up global education. Oh and that okay. is yes and God. that is part of my own my own agenda with the sister schools link up program with light on the hill for africa as you very well know i you know i've been working to link up schools in the united states with schools in africa now i'm actually within inside that industry learning from the how the whole infrastructure is you know is structured
1: Okay, and
0: when you say having,
4: global education, what what do you mean by yes. global education? What does that consist okay. of?
0: Okay, we have technology in this day and age. We live in this global, uh, this digital era where we have technology. We have e-learning technology where you can actually educate the world from right. Chicago. Okay. So mm-hmm. I work for a company that has students around the world. Mm-hmm. Okay
4: hmm uh, Okay. So is this here a, a an education? There's um is it um I'm I'm trying to get an understanding with higher, higher education, education, online
0: learning with uh okay. online universities.
4: Mm-hmm. So how many countries are uh, involved
0: in this process? How many countries uh are, are, are what are those countries? Hopefully, okay, now. so so that brings me in the picture because I have observed how many people are in that, you know, uh, 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 actually uh, accessing that uh, education because this education, someone can be in a village somewhere or like in a community in the outskirts of, or in the south or in California or in Hawaii and they're still taking lessons and learning online with these teachers okay. from Chicago. You know, so they, well, they're actually yeah. attaining bachelor's degrees. So this bachelor's degrees, master's degrees, and they do it in the shortest amount of time. In two and a half years, somebody graduates with a degree. Uh-huh.
4: So that's a well, huge solution. Uh, kind of yeah. right. Now, <laughs> the, the, the language and the dialogue, for example, uh-huh. uh, I'm just going to take this one example. If you look at the Bible, and we know that the right. Bible is written in many different languages, and is, and right. some verses are interpreted different ways. Uh, this, and, and even though it still come out meaning the same, there's still some variables on each verse in the Bible yes. based on language and how language exactly. interprets the meaning of what is in the Bible. Is that the same case uh that you have to address when you're speaking about global education? Is there a language uh barrier, or is that a a plus that there's a language okay. barrier so that people are able to communicate more effectively toward uh meeting that educational goal,
0: okay. So the same way that you learn when you go to, say, a a day college, you know, a a traditional day daytime college where you actually go to the ground campus, you're learning in English. You have curriculum, you have syllabus. Everything is being taught in English. There's nothing different from learning that way online. The only difference is you're actually doing it online from your laptop computer because we have the technology to do that right now.
4: Okay. All right. Well, let me... um, kind of go to the, the business part of it. Uh, right. now, I know at one point that you were, you, you had your nonprofit operation and you did talk to us at the uh, Black Wall Street at one of our summits yes. regarding yes. The, uh, the bridge toward economic uh, uh, I guess economic goals as a relates yes. to Blacks in the United States and Africa And I have heard that Many times I was with a brother Matter of fact this Monday And uh, I was talking To him about the uh, The economic disparity Based on Africa is closer To the United States Than Korea Or Asia or, Or Or China, you know, it's a shorter distance. So he okay. indicated to me that the problem is is that doing business with Africa as far as import and export is the infrastructure of Africa have to be more uh, updated. Is that the case why we don't see more products that says, made in Africa as we see more products, say, made in Korea or made in Japan? What is the what's the gap there? Why don't we see products that says made in Africa as we do in other countries?
0: Okay. Let's take a step back first. If you look at the whole continent of Africa, okay, Africa, and you, you compare Africa with all the other continents in the world, we are, the richest continent in the world with untapped soil and virgin uh, resources, untapped and it has been done effectively well, Af- Africa mm-hmm. is the richest continent in the world in when it comes to mineral resources, whether it's diamonds gold and silver natural resources, whether it's the animals or the land or the waterfalls you know, the weather it's always a plus for us there um, you name it, even with the people. Okay, we have the richest resources, and we are an emerging global economy right now. Marketplace.
4: So where when you say emerging, is there a uh, could, is that meaning that we're going to see a more influx of products and exports
0: okay. with Africa? Uh, right. When you
1: use
4: the
0: term <laughs> but, emerging, okay, to, to see yes, to see that influx. You wanna to get to the you know to the bottom line. Who in Africa is running Africa today? Okay, because Africa has gone through colonialism. Through the, yes. that type era of colonialism. Today, what they call globalization is one and the same. Okay, you mm-hmm. must be very careful now. Africa is the richest continent, and yet the people of Africa are the poorest. I'll give an example of Zambia. I come from Zambia, Central Southern Africa. We are number one right now in the country, in the world, that leads in the, in the production of copper. You know, how do you say copper? Copper ore. In, oh, uh. when, you produce, yeah, when you produce copper right now, you will find that what do you use copper for? Number one, electricity. Electric cables, oh. the, 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 the wire cable, your, your, your railroad system, the trains. They heavily depend on on copper wire and copper, you know, the copper ore. And also this digital era that we live in right now, the cell phones and the computers and anything digital, all these components, you know, these uh, things that we have, digital. It totally, really, you have to have copper wire inside there, one of the, you know, working parts or the things that they use to make, you know, the cell phone. They, they depend on scrap metal and they depend on copper, copper wire and copper ore in there inside to make it
4: function. So with all of that resources, then yes. what is it that Why are we still see? poor?
0: We're the ones that are supplying the world that has a huge dependence on technology and we're still shorthanded.
4: Are okay. uh, you saying that technology so is the gap in closing that uh and, and making that uh that copper
0: industry more
4: accessible?
0: Okay. Here's here's what's going on in Zambia, like my country. Zambia the the copper there was province. We have a whole province kind of like you guys have states here in America, like you know, you have the Midwest, you know, you have states, right? We have provinces in my country, nine provinces. This one province mm-hmm copper belt province in Zambia, it produces 95% of the economy of Zambia depends on copper, copper uh, industry, mining. Guess who owns mm. that copper copper industry? None of the Zambians. Not a okay, single Zambian owns mine.
5: Why is that? Uh, again, the
0: again we, we go back to how things were set up in the beginning. Colonialism. Mm-hmm. When colonialism stepped upon Zambia, it was totally done for the Exploitation of copper
4: ore.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: the mineral
0: resources. Now, there is, right. now, there uh-huh. is
4: a church here in uh, Chicago, uh, Trinity United Church of Christ, that was once headed by Reverend um, Jeremiah Wright, and now uh, headed by, pastored by uh, Reverend Moss. And yes, they I know that a truth. letter uh-huh. campaign that was uh, wanting to ban the use of uh, copper because it was using children to manufacture that. Is that the Um, case?
0: No, um, not in in Zambia. Uh -uh. Zambia, I have never known any child working in the mines, no. What we have over there, okay. here's what's going on in Zambia. What we have is we have a huge influx of the population from all over the country. You know, all these different tribal groups, eh? the men, they flock into the Belt province to get a job in the mines, okay? So during colonialism, the copper, the copper mining industry bloss- bloomed. And I write about it in my book, you know. The country became extremely wealthy, but all that copper was exported immediately, Immediately, they dig it out, it goes to London. London Metal Exchange would set the price for copper in Zambia, not a Zambian person, okay? Because Zambia was a British uh, colony. So the British government would dig the gold and silver and the copper ore, bring it to London, and then they would set a price at the World, you know, London Metal Exchange at the marketplace there, and then they would trade, you know, uh, they, they would trade that way, leaving the African people out How of it. How much does that copper come to the United States?
4: uh what pres- of course, a, a of course percentage London, of
0: how of, much of it of, of course from- London metal exchange that's an open free market so whether it's the united states whether it's Canada, australia these are people that know they need copper you know in their countries. so they stock up reserves right now u s a has stocked up so much reserve you know uh copper copper oil there's like probably for the next 100 years, they will have enough and plenty to, to, you know, to get by. And it all came from Zambia. The question becomes, how can I be a Zambian, come from Zambia, and I'm providing the world with all this wealth, and I'm still poor? Again, if you look at it, globalization is the new era, is uh, colonialism. It has just changed kind of the format. But the people, the decision makers, they're all one and the same. So then I'm saying it's time, women of African descent, such as myself, or African people themselves. Once we've gotten our education to turn around and see how can we now be part of the decision-making policies and come up with a win-win situation, uh, policies that actually take Africa also into consideration, the African people. Include us in the political system as well, because at the highest level of government, Those decisions are being made. And if you keep women out of the picture, educated and learned women, you know, you're not serving the country right.
4: Well, that sounds like you're more uh, going into the agenda of yours being a candidate. Now, this kind of being, uh, okay, is that, and my understanding is that a, is it similar to a congressional seat that you're running for?
0: Yes, so it's kind of okay, uh, similar so, to, you know, like member of parliament, right? I I I have a constituency that I represent, and I'll make sure that my constituency is taken care of, you know. So then I will look at the resources in that community. What do we have, and what should we use to benefit the people in my constituency, not not the people in my constituency growing cash crops that have been exported to Holland. And,
4: well how do you bill. relate to your candidacy? Uh just give me some clarity here. How are you running for uh the office? Does people um in your district are aware that you are a candidate now being in the United States? Oh,
0: well, um, I, I was actually there this past year, uh, twenty ten, they had their elections. Now I was at mm-hmm. uh, I was at uh, Right. You know, I was at my, um, I was doing my graduate program. I was just finishing off my uh, master's degree at Roosevelt University, okay. and then and then I rushed to Africa in March because I graduated in December. Got myself organized in March. I was in Africa, so then I was in Africa for March through June, and I was amazed right. when I went to the village. Yes, when I went to the village, how that constituency welcomed me. And they mm-hmm. demanded a woman in leadership position because I mm-hmm. was picking up again after my own mother, by the way, my mother's name was Dorothy. And when I first came, uh, this is not a side story. When I first came to the to to, to to Chicago and I was in one of the offices, you know, at the Rolling Meadows uh, courthouse, I yeah. saw a picture of Dorothy Brown on the wall
1: <laughs> oh, yeah? when my
0: mother was, Yes, the first time I ever saw that, I saw her picture on the wall, and I thought about my own mother, who was a member of parliament in Zambia, and I was so proud of this woman that I've never met her. Oh, I, okay. I thought I would never even get and talk to her, and tonight, I'm like, wow, how can that be? I'm on the same platform. <laughs> amazing. Very Sorry, yeah.
4: Like, yeah, well, yeah, I was she inspired on, her. let's see that Dorothy Brown here is <laughs> definitely an uh, amazing uh, person and what, yeah. what she has achieved. And uh, yes. I just the the other part of both of you all, where she has achieved her uh, position as uh, the county clerk, and as you oh, are yes. uh, moving toward being an elected official as well, so that
1: yes, the name, please.
4: daughter, as yeah, it relates to your mother, and I'm not. For
1: me, yes. yeah, I don't know
4: yes. what age she is, but she's still pretty <laughs> much a young woman. But uh, she okay. definitely has set an example. Oh, uh, many women, um, and, yes. uh, and and then, uh, yes, mm-hmm. I was
0: inspired so by her. Like how you, totally inspired. Now, when
4: is this election? When is this election okay, for you? So, uh, what year so, is
0: it? Okay, so w- when I was in, when I was in Africa this past year, uh, between March and June, I you know I kind of had a taste and a feel for political you know processes in Zambia. I got myself in and I went through the whole process, and the women in the village, the people in the village, were crazy about me. But I had to come back to the States because I had deadlines and I had issues, you know, to still handle with my nonprofit over here. And also, uh, it occurred to me that politics in Africa is slightly different from America, where the politician over there provides, you know, like you feed the villagers for them to vote for you.
4: Well, that you know, happens tough. here too. That happens here too. I mean it don't happen well, like it used to, but it used to be uh a bag of uh, uh potatoes and, and some me. chicken and bread that politicians <laughs> definitely used to do that. Yes, that was
1: and right. happens. Uh, right. uh
4: now, I know a candidate that's gonna be here. running. And uh, he just yes. got to giving out some food. So yeah,
0: it's still exactly. happening in Chicago. So, so next time you know. I go, yes. Yeah, so next time I go, I need to be loaded with truckloads of rice and you know food for these people. And that's all it takes for them. A go out here, you know, you cook some food, and you oh, they just loved it, you know. But you 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 rally against about the issues, and the issues is just opening their eyes to who they are and what they are producing already, and why they're so still disadvantaged and they wanted to see someone from their own village who was learned, who was passionate about them, truly loving the children, the orphans of HIV-AIDS, the women, the poor widows of HIV-AIDS, looking at their interests and the possibility, and all it would take is education, you know, link up. Like, can we have our Well, are trying is
4: now, but what's the, uh, I mean, what's the barrier here based on providing food in order for them to listen to the issues but yet I'm still hearing you saying there are issues that they have. So what actually brings their interest? Is it the food or is it the issue or because people need to eat, they're not uh they they need to listen or get the food first before listening. I mean what is the um I'm trying I'm hearing two things. I'm hearing the issues based on copper, based on the colonization, based on uh, uh, Europe, influence in the economy, Uh, and then I'm hearing about providing them some food. So is there too
0: much of a mixture in order to get No, 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 no. Okay, I understand what you're saying. I understand what you're saying, but all I'm saying is if you go and campaign, if you go on the campaign trail, that crowd comes out to see you and to listen to you speak. About these issues of the global impact, you know, how it's playing out on their own country, which you know breaks down to their own village. Okay, mm-hmm. because these are the same people that are growing the food. The you know the, the, they're growing uh, corn, for instance. But when that corn is mm-hmm. grown, it's not, you know, the, the product is not finished in Uganda. It's exported outside the country. Do you see how ridiculous it's that is?
4: Important, it's it's imported outside it's, the country you understand right. that the people there are not
0: able to benefit from the crops. Exactly. So these are the people who are growing, for, for instance, they're growing cotton, you know, cotton or tobacco, big-time big, big time cash crops over there. They're growing tobacco, so, the best tobacco you can get in Zambia, my, my constituency, they're growing this tobacco. And then the tobacco companies from Holland or from uh, the Netherlands that you know, holding this tobacco out of, you know, the community by truckloads. Like, every 10 minutes, you see it, you know, one big truck is leaving the, the village. And these village people are being paid 80 cents a bale, or maybe, you know, like a huge a four-by-four-feet bale, you know, packed with well, loaded is that, tobacco.
4: Uh, is, is that a result of different corporations? Colonialism oh, yeah, continues. Colonialism yeah, has continued. F- uh, huh? Is that a... Is that an absence from a weak government that allowed yes. the resources Illiterate. to leave Unlearned. the country, yes. opposed to yes. helping the people that live there?
0: Exactly, lack like of knowledge, my people perish.
4: Well, there's a lot of knowledge, is it is people blind to to the government, or is the government blind? to know that the resources and the productivity that the people are producing is not benefiting the people that live there. Uh, what is missing here? The weak government or stronger corporations influence the government? Or uh, what is, what's the missing link here? I am i can't see how the I do understand system, yeah. that.
0: Mm-hmm. It, it the, whole the whole economic system is, is flawed flawed systems, they need to be re- revamped, restructured, revised, reorganized. That's what we need. We need systems in place that you can actually track progression. So uh, there's, there's nothing like a no digital
4: Right. Before we uh, go to a break, there's uh, two things here. What is it that people here in the United States, uh, now Africa has what? have about uh, 52 countries? Uh-huh. Would you, okay, how can the impact or the influence of blacks here in America be able to assist a continent of 52 countries and be able okay, to create a a China of Africa? Yes, uh, exactly. Is that a basis where most of the countries in Africa – are in disarray. Um, again, I know that South Africa and and Gambri and uh, Zimbabwe or uh, Senegal, those countries, some of those countries are well-established, but yet they still have a major influence of, uh, of um, other countries taking the resources and the people still
0: not benefiting. What would it African take people for, not for to change that so, around? Okay, so, so what I think the solution would be, number one, it's very critical. Yes, it takes someone who has an educated, you know, background, you know, so leadership, critical. Leadership has to be someone with education, someone with integrity, someone who's selfless and bent on doing nothing but not being corrupt and 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 perpetuating the corruption that has been existing since the beginning of time, you know, because whatever was happening through colonialism, there is people in leadership that do, you know, that that have uh, been advantageous, they have had an advantage, okay? Right. Well, taking into consideration
4: that Africa, the United, I believe it's, uh, I forgot the term, but the United Countries of Africa were, a a lot of the colonialism, this was disbanded in just in the mid 60s or so, so it hasn't been that long that a lot of countries in Africa have uh, set themselves free of colonialism. But let's take a yeah. break and then let's come okay. back and we want to get more into your election and the economics of uh, of, of uh, Africa and where does you fit here in Chicago? going to uh going back home. Uh Sonia.
3: Thank you so much. Great dialogue. We're listening Good to Black Wall you. Street USA with host Ron Carter, Chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago. Uh Princess Um Zendaba, I'm gonna get that straight one <laughs> day. And <laughs> you're gonna help me with it's that. Great. It's strange, it's strange, and I thought about that today, Princess. You know, one of the first jobs uh, I ever had was uh, tipping at Northern Trust Bank. Went into the accounting department, and everyone, it seems, that worked at Northern Trust Bank, which you're familiar uh, with, and it. it's a large entity, was Polish. And uh, being a black girl from the south side, I had never in my life, you know, spoken those terms or used those names And I I took time to learn how to pronounce their names, and I need to take (laughs) the same time to learn how to speak the language of our people, and I'm going to do this, thank Princess. You. I'm going to do this, yes, and that to I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> So you look at the Black Wall Street, USA. I'm so, and I call her Princess, and she is a real Princess, and she's going to tell us about that too. Ron, right? be sure she talks about her historical background Correct. before she Correct. she leaves, and uh, because we really want her to do that. Uh, the clerk, uh, Miss Dorothy Brown, is on our line, but we're gonna we're gonna go to a break. You're listening to Black Wall Street USA. I'm Sonya Cassandra-Purdue, founder of Chicago's Black Business Network. Ron Carter, publisher of South Street Journal, is our host for this evening. And we're going to be right back. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. (music)
6: And up hoity-toity Them not care about me in poor community I Oh, how mama has a if I take me They just want to lavish in luxury That's why they smuggle and pay us money Then skint it for the paparazzi But I'm here to tell them public publicly Get up and forget your greedy appetite Because the needy people who are feeding pressure all day and night Greedy greedy appetites, because there's greedy really people who are feeling pressure all day and night. It's time to govern a country right. I run the country right. It's time to govern the country right. It's time to govern the country right. I run the country right. It's time to govern the country right. i in our country, right used to sell it and talk about delinquency. Them really feel that they fool me, but what's a far right judgment? I come surely, but I and I know that they're me. That's why I talk to my people on a daily about the plans them have having for we. Only empty promises for me daily. Get up and forget your really Pressure all day and night. Get up and forget your greedy appetite. Because it's greedy people who are feeding pressure all day and night. It's time to govern the country right. I run the country right. It's time to govern the country right. It's time to govern the country right. I run the country right. Time to to govern the country right. Make sure what's going on in your community You ask the people what is stressing them on that daily. They have no time for we. Them only study money Them just pass you once or twice to provoke your mind Cause they want your port for their play Do blind to the real issue. They don't want to secure you So get up pressure all day and night. Get up, I forget your greedy appetite. Because it's the people who are feeling pressure all day and night. So I say it's time to govern the country right. I run the country right. It's time to govern the country right. It's time to govern the, right? go the country right. I run the country right. It's time to govern the country right.
3: Welcome back. You're listening to Chicago's Black Business Radio Network. All black, all news, all you for February second, 2012. Tonight's segment is Black Wall Street, USA. At the break, you were listening to Step Up from the International Women of Reggae, and I thought that song would be appropriate as we speak to uh, two quite qualified women about the governance of our country, both across the Atlantic and locally in Chicago, and as they talk about making the changes that embrace us locally and globally. I'm Sonia Cassandra-Purdue, founder of Chicago's Black Business Network. Join us today and touch the world. Let's welcome back our host, Mr. Ron Carter, chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago, publisher and editor of the South Street Journal. And, uh, Ron, I would like for us to go... To the clerk, and we what we want to do is bring the clerk and the princess back uh, at the end of the show. So if you would, Ron, can you introduce our next guest?
4: Introducing Miss uh, Honorable Dorothy Brown. Um, how can I begin? We um, met each other maybe about oh I don't know maybe. I, I was to over, say, 10 15, 15, over 10 years ago over 10 years ago yes i yeah definitely over 10 years you have been a a a model you have become basically a institution in chicago in running the government of uh, uh, of the clerk and a lot of times you know being in the media if you don't have that much to say about a particular government Office, that means things are doing pretty good when you're not in the news as much as some are. Uh, So, and even before that, your work in the private sector as well, uh, to the point that running Cook County government is just as equal as running, um, could we say, IBM with the amount of employees and the amount of the budget. How do you stay on top of all of this? Yeah. Are we here?
3: I'm here, Ron. I see the clerk's uh, oh. light is still lit up. Miss Brown,
7: can you can you hear me? I'm sorry. We can hear you now. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. I had muted it for a minute. Um, I am, and I apologize. Ron, it's a very challenging and meticulous uh, job, and what I do to stay on top of it is to uh, involve myself in in continuous improvements. Last year, I went to uh, the Harvard School Kennedy School of Government to learn about how to
5: uh,
7: operate uh, governments in a more efficient and effective manner. And we're in the process of implementing some of those techniques of course with my background uh over the as a as a certified public accountant and and really um learning how various major corporations uh, uh ran uh, in the in my prior life uh i was i've been able to bring some of those skills to the table and 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 manage this huge
4: operation. Mm -hmm. Is there a sense of, as the title of our program here, we're talking about women in business, Um, is there a fine line or thick line running a government operation versus running a corporation that has the same amount of budget and employees? And to that point, what is your annual uh, budget and the amount of employees under your uh, operation?
7: Okay, the budget is over 100 million and we have approximately 2000 empl- employees. And um there's a you know, it's a real thin line uh, between operating an organization of this magnitude and a Fortune 500 corporation. Uh, simply because in my organization I have all of the different functions um, that you would find in a Fortune 500, the technology department, information systems, payroll, accounting, human resources, public affairs, and then I have the major operation, which we would say would be your core business, your manufacturing, if you will, uh, operations. And so I have all of those aspects, and then I have different branches. You know, I have people in six different um, uh, 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 municipalities, including the city of Chicago. But then we have five suburban locations, and then within the city of Chicago for our felonies and misdemeanors, we have five different branch courts into in the different police stations throughout. And then we have twenty-six in California. And we have the juvenile court at 1100 South Hamilton, and we have domestic violence court at at 555 West Harrison, and so, and then we have child support division over at 20 North Clark, and then our record center, major record center. We have three different warehouses that we're using right now. So we have a lot of different locations, and then of course in the daily center about eight different floors. So it's just like a multi-million dollar corporation, and having to organize and and run and know exactly and hold all of those employees accountable, it's a major task, and it's not easy. You well, have to keep reinventing uh, new techniques, and uh, on top of that, I have uh, at least 1,600 of my employees or within a collective bargaining agreement, a union. And therefore, then we have to work with that union. You have to make sure that employees. Sixteen hundred. You're looking at uh, th- th- uh,
4: three fourths of your employees. Now.
7: Yes, absolutely. Yes,
4: exactly. So, is there a bearer that um, of politics, or once you are, we understand when you're running for uh, re-election uh, next next month? Uh, there is a barrier based on when you're elected, you're doing your job, but prior to getting elected, does politics have a major play in looking at the the, the Cook County office that it has more of an administrative accountability of public uh, records and things of that nature But how does politics or does politics play? Is it more like when you're running or is it also when you are in office?
7: It's both. It's absolutely both. You know, when you're running, you're, you know, uh, uh, trying to get various endorsements, and then you have people that are trying to misrepresent your reputation and and your accomplishments and trying to really – Uh, mislead the people, because people are trying to get elected at any expense, even if they don't have the qualifications, then they try to mislead the people. Then once you get into office, and this particular office is uh, unique because we have a county board that, uh, according to the law, when we are trying to get things purchased, we have to go to the county board for that approval. Uh, when I first took office, they permitted you to purchase things without county board approval up to twenty-five thousand dollars. Well, they took that away. Now we have to go to the county board for a dollar to spend a dollar.
4: Oh, for and,
7: and it you have you to said, do. You petty cash,
4: and you don't have a petty. <laughs> and you have you to do have a. Cash.
7: <laughs> and you have to do a a, a bid on everything you know down to a dollar. So it makes it very difficult because what occurs is you know the county board um you know is an elected position as well. I, ha- I include people that have elected positions, right? So sometimes they will play politics with your expenditure request which is necessary for the operation of the organization whereas in the private sector, <clears throat> as long as you are purchasing things in line with the operation to make the op- office run more efficiently, and you're staying within the budget that you've established at the beginning of the year, and the board has approved that the private sector board, then you can operate. But you have to go. We have to go to the county board for to to get authorization to bid. And then go to the county board for them to accept the the uh, to approve the vendor for acceptance, and then get the contract signed. So, so it re-
4: then it is really more uh, intense running a a a a government um, operation than it is of the private sector based on the uh, accountability process of. Uh, uh, of, of expenditures and the laws that govern you. So, what is, well, is is it more difficult, or I, I don't know if the right term is difficult, but more in challenging? Money. Pardon?
7: More challenging.
4: Yeah, what so more challenging then. Is, would that be the case opposed to running a private corporation?
7: I would say so. You know, a private corporation has its own board, but. Those boards are not, they don't meet every month or twice a month and make decisions on individual expenditures. They they hire the chief financial officer, and the chief financial officer is responsible for ensuring that things are purchased in line with the budget and for it, for the purpose that uh, they're supposed to be purchased for. Then you have an auditor, which we do have an auditor to come in, have an auditor to come in annually to audit the financial statements to ensure that that everything was done in accordance with generally accepted accounting principles. But in our case, uh, people sometimes tend to play politics with your expenditure. Even though you have the money money allocated in the budget, you go to the board, and they may just, you know, uh, for whatever reasons, um, decide to – it to the finance committee, so they send it to the finance committee, then you have to lobby the finance committee to get get it through the finance committee, and then after that, you know you have to then you know then it'll come back to the board and then you have to hope and pray that the board then approves it, so you can actually be about two to three months just trying to get an expenditure approved, and then
4: <laughs> no. Yeah, you were um, the first elected official that uh, provided a proclamation for the Black Wall Street District of seventy.
7: show my support for you Uh, and secondly i feel that when you are an elected official at any level uh, that you are a public servant and that you should have a voice and show support for those things that are important to the community and to help in whatever way you can to uh perpetuate um uh, the good of of a community, and and for sure, businesses, uh, you know, and and business is, is so important uh, as it relates to the stability of our uh, economy. So uh, I wanted to show my support, and as you know, I would speak out about education and whatever I can. I think that when you have a a position of Power and then you should use that power, that position to help in whatever way you can, because people will listen to you and well, and you
4: also did some uh heavy work, and I know this has some uh relationships to uh the county clerk office, but with the um Oh i'm i'm, I'm, I'm with the uh ex offenders and when it comes to their records mm-hmm. and there is a cloud based on uh ex offenders voting or getting their records expunged or not or is, it, is, is that it does some good to get it expunged and then the the process I know you've been working on that. But what is the the real reality of expungement? There's still some uh, ex-offenders that's thinking that they cannot vote, some saying they can vote. Where is that at right now?
7: In the state of Illinois, an ex-offender can vote. A person that is in Cook County Jail can vote. And a person that's in any county jail can vote. The only person that cannot vote in the state of Illinois would be those people that are in prison. Once they get out of prison, they can register and vote. That's how the state of Illinois laws are set up. There are only a few states that uh, that actually don't permit people to vote once they become uh, an ex-offender. An offender or an ex-offender, they don't permit them to vote. There's only a few states, and I'm going to search that on the internet, and I'll tell you. But Illinois is not one of those.
4: Well, there's still um, many uh, ex-offenders walking the streets with the perception that they cannot vote. Um, is the is is there a process where when um, a person is released? from the county jail, uh, they get some type of notice that saying that you can vote now or
7: do no, well, see, that well, up to uh, themselves? Uh, okay. or <laughs> but now, you have to remember now, you can vote even while you're in the county jail. You know, Jesse Jackson goes over there every Christmas, and I was over there with him registering people mm-hmm. to vote, and we let people know then that they can vote. As long as they're in the county jail and they have not been sentenced, they can vote. It's when they move from the county jail to the Illinois Department of Corrections that they cannot vote. And then when they get out of the Illinois Department of Corrections, they go back to being able to vote. That's how the law is set up here in the state of Illinois. But as as it relates to informing people whether or not they can uh, vote when they get out of the Illinois Department of Corrections, I have never heard of a process by which people are actually told that. That may be something that that uh, we should look at uh, taking up uh the all the information that is given to people, um, you know, when they are getting out as it relates to maybe going to the Sabre Foundation, uh, could also include uh their right to uh uh, uh vote again. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, well I definitely uh, hear uh many, sometimes they confuse me. I, uh, I always say, Yes, yeah, you can vote. No, we cannot vote I, you know, so uh now you're running for re reelection this coming uh March. That's March mm-hmm. what, what day is it? March the March twentieth and
7: early voting starts, February twenty
4: seventh. Twenty-seven. Um mm-hmm. I don't know about the rest of the public, and me being even in the newspaper business and being a publisher of a newspaper, I haven't heard anything about any opponent of yours. Are you feeling confident like um, Barack Obama at this
7: time? You say, am I feeling confident?
4: Yeah, like Barack Obama, you know, he was
7: on the uh, <laughs> TV one day, day and he
4: said, he said, I'm going to win. Uh, you, I'm not a Barack you Obama.
7: I, I take nothing for granted. I'm going. I'm working very hard to win the uh, support of um, of all of the citizens uh, of Cook County, and you know, I want them to uh, uh, consider me once again uh, for reelection as clerk of the circuit court because of our record and the things that we have done um, in this office. And so we're not taking anything for granted and w- because we know that, um, you know, people can play a lot of tricks on you. And uh, so we're just working very hard to um, ensure that we can uh, win this race once again and win the, win the support of the people and win once again.
4: Well, what is the uh, focus uh, upon your re-election, and is there a another phase of, of accomplishments that you want to add on to what has been done, or is it maintaining where you're at, or is there some specific um, concerns that you're looking at trying to uh, improve the, uh, the clerk's office? Uh, yes. What is that focus well. for you? Is it- this
7: time. You know, there's always there all there's always room for improvement in an office of this magnitude. Um, but in taking it to even a higher level, uh, we want to go to a paperless court room. I want to work with the chief judge to bring a paperless 21st century courtroom to Cook County um, as a first as a pilot, and then move into having all the courtrooms be paperless. Uh, and
4: I cannot imagine. I have been in the court, uh, in the office, and you're <laughs>
1: up
4: there, and you know, I cannot imagine
1: mm-hmm. all that.
4: You can't help but seeing all the paper.
1: Mm-hmm. Are you saying
4: that you would not be able to see those files and those files on top of files?
7: When you walk into those offices? Or? Not my office. I'm talking, about the courtroom I'm talking about the courtroom. Because, of course, you're going to have the old files. But what we have done with the um, court, what we've done, Ron, is uh, we have started to implement an imaging and document management system in the uh, state of Illinois, I mean, sorry, in our court system. And every document that comes into our chancery division, our probate county um a, a civil uh and soon to be domestic relations and and law division um every document is imaged already as it comes into those divisions and whether it comes into the courtroom or through the um uh over our counter we we take an electronic image of it, and what I want to do is to take those images and have the judges to be able to rule off of those as opposed to our having to deliver a paper file to the courtroom. And I'd like the attorneys to have computers on their benches, all the jurors to have a a computer. I'd also like for witnesses to be able to to come in on interactive video conferencing um, screens as opposed to having to come down. Everybody wouldn't necessarily have to come down to the courthouse. And you can also bring a witness in from anywhere in the world uh especially um um uh expert
4: witnesses, so you feel uh comparable with this news uh, this this test pilot that's about to happen in the state regarding uh cameras in the uh, courts
7: oh yeah you know i I like the idea, and I like it simply because um I think it's, it just makes the court even more transparent. And it makes it even more uh, fair because you know I had some ladies to come to some ladies and gentlemen to come to talk to me about some some of their treatments. Always I'm having different people periodically come and talk about their treatments in the court unfairness that sort of thing. And and I of course have to as long as it doesn't relate to my staff, I have to forward their complaint to whoever uh, they're complaining about, whether it's the If it's the bailiff in the courtroom, if if it's the judge, then of course that's the chief judge. If it's the bailiff, then that's the sheriff. But so I've heard people complain, and uh, this will be a a documentation of the fairness or unfairness, you know. And I'm not sure. I don't think that it will necessarily, and I guess it probably would, uh, be usable in on appeal. You know, because it's more difficult to um, to explain something in writing, but if you have the video, <laughs> then you'll be able to show it. You know, and
4: so you know. do you have um, your role as the uh, county clerk? Is there any jurisdiction that you have with the judges, or that still rests with the um, uh, with another with the uh, the branch, another branch, or the... You, is the judges have any type of accountability uh, to your office or you to their office?
7: Uh, no, not to my office. Uh, and and from the standpoint of just respecting our clerks and for us to their office, um, uh, from the standpoint of of our respecting the judge and keeping the record for the judge and and you know help getting the judge to sign the order and. That sort of thing, but they, my employees report directly to me, and um, but they have to, you know, work with the judge, and um, you know, keep those records. So, um,
4: so, what is the difference then of the the legislative process of the clerk office, uh, because it just seems more of a it doesn't, or does it have a policy type of implementation of the office more than administrative. So, um, is there mm-hmm. some relationship there that make it to be an elected office? Um, if is there policies beyond your staff to how the clerk office operates?
7: Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, we're in the constitution. So we are a constitutional officer. I am a constitutional officer, and it's it's discussed in the Constitution the importance of of this office and uh, and the responsibility related to it uh, to ensure that uh, we are keeping the records for the people. Now, the reason why this office is an elected office is because of the need for this office to be totally unbiased And totally uncontrolled by uh, anyone, especially uh, uh, the judges, because you you know you can't you need uh, an individual that's independent of the judges that's making the decisions. I need this person separate and independent to keep that record of that decision. Because of course, I wouldn't uh, say any of the judges that we have. Would do this, but you never can tell when undue pressure could be put up on somebody to change the record. And we are the courts. We are uh, the courts of first impression, and so we're the court that's first capturing the information that's related to a person's case. Now, the appellate court, that clerk is appointed, but they're operating off of records that we created. You understand? Same thing as the Supreme Court. That clerk is appointed, but they're not creating records over there. They're operating off of the the soul of the case. is created by my office, and we control those records, and therefore it's important for this office to be elected so that there is equal justice for everyone, that there is fairness and equity in the way uh, and, and, uh, justice is um I uh, meet it out.
4: So with the um, the running for the uh, the office and in, in your reelection, um, is there a process when this being a a county position? Um, talking about politics now, uh, where does you know? I haven't heard. I don't even know who is the county. Democratic uh chairman now. Who is that? I was <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> sorry. <laughs> oh, oh yes, right. okay. I, So yes, I remember now. But it seems though the, the politics of Chicago is is it a, is it somewhat changed now that uh that you see it and you've been around uh, quite a bit from uh Mayor Daly even though he was a, a non partial elected official, um but is there a a a, a so called is the machine still in place as you said, or is it more uh, independent run of Cook County politics
7: now? Um I think um uh, that there are still semblances of the machine uh and, uh, or an effective machine from the standpoint of certain races. But because of the Internet and the ability for people to get their word out there in many different ways, uh, it, it's not as effective in, in other races. I would say the judges, uh, judicial candidates, uh, it works. The machine is works very well from the standpoint of needing to be endorsed by the, you know, commitment. But, um, you know, and because the commitment, that, because people, it's, there are so many judges, people don't know their names, and they're not going to be on television and all of that, and therefore people are going to be dependent on those sample ballots. So for that reason, the machine works uh is still in place and works very well for those. Uh the higher profile the race is and the higher level the race is, you know, the more of a possibility that, you know, you may uh be able to uh get elected independently. Run you know I was elected independently in two thousand. And, and of course at that time too I would say that uh the then uh chairman wasn't as as effective as Joe Barrios. Joe Barrios is a, a, a very effective chairman. He he's been, uh, you know, they have better meetings, um, uh, well attended. Uh, they have a you know well run office, and uh, so it just it just depends.
4: Well, you have definitely um, what I know of um, has really garnered more votes. Uh, I believe that you have some type of record of garnering more votes than uh, many uh, elected officials. Um, What is, uh, is it your uh, efficiency in the office, or do you have a political machine of your own that uh, is (laughs) well-oiled?
7: Yes. Both. Both. We we do have uh, a... um Organization, Friends of Dorothy Brown. And um, we started in 2007, really seven years into my administration. But even before that, you know, we had a core uh, group that we would always have, and we would, you know, basically operate off of volunteers and bringing people together uh, each time I would run. And then I started an organization, and we, of course, still would like to have volunteers to come in. And we uh, also, um, are very active in the community throughout the time that I'm uh, in office. See, a lot of people don't realize that you can't just get elected and then just run that office and don't answer anybody's call, and you know, don't don't go to anyone's events and 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 don't show any kind of respect for the community. Uh, I have built uh, a reputation. Within the community of supporting the community around you, just like the Black Wall Street resolution, you know. Not you know. Someone told me the other day that um, their mother turned seventy-five, and they sent a letter out of the blue. I didn't know her, asking for a a birthday, a, a congratulations uh, uh, for turning seventy-five birthday, a letter, and I sent it. And she said that well, I'm uh, one of the few elected uh, officials that actually sent her mother a letter. But I feel like this is no skin off my back, and 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 it's important to uh, uh, you know show support and for people. And I have a very well run office. A lot of people don't even open their mail for months. <laughs> mm-hmm.
4: Well, there was a sense of speaking of black elected officials is that one problem that they can have is that the community at large, knowing that you are running for a Cook County is way different than running from a a ward uh, where it's more of a segregated type of election. Uh, but still, the case with uh, black elected officials that uh, the community do not support the candidates financially as they need to. Yeah. Uh is that the case as you see when you're running that people do expect a lot from you, uh, but the financial base of running your campaign come from uh all over, uh, and not from the people that maybe expect more from you?
7: That's yeah, it's
4: absolutely
7: true. And um you know, it's absolutely true. And people will be, you know, and people expect more from you. Won't help you uh, with the funds. Won't help come to your campaign office and, and and work for you. Won't even try to look it up. And they'll say, you know, well, you didn't call me. How can I call everyone uh, while well, I was waiting for somebody to call me? Or, you know, I didn't know what you know to do, but. No one you know, just don't reach out and um, and then, all of a sudden, you know they'll be like, "You know, uh, I don't know about voting for her because I don't ever see her in my neighborhood, well, <laughs> you know how big Cook County is but but right. but, but the important thing for people to know is that you know we're we're out here, we're out here in the community, I may not be on your block." but we're out here and we're supporting.
4: So what would you say is one of your most humble experiences uh, being the uh, the county clerk? Mm.
7: One of my most humbling experiences.
4: Or have you had one of those things like uh, – President Tony Preckwick, who uh, was that yesterday or today, calling uh, uh, William Daly, not William Daly, uh, what's his brother's name on the. Uh, uh. Uh, yeah, calling John Mirror Daly, or if <laughs> they call him one of those. What did he call uh he called. she called him uh Mayor uh Daly. He passed some type of motion and she indicated that uh when Mayor Daly made a motion, this was just yesterday.
1: <laughs> oh, this so is- he
4: did have a laugh in the uh, uh in during the session when that happened.
1: Mm. Um
4: so in your experiences is there something that uh, kind of um uh, Surprised you, or knowing that you've been uh, an elected official in this position, this is going on your third um, your third time, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay, so within that time, has there been something that really kind of touched you, and and was it basically a routine almost of what you have to do?
7: Uh well, you know what really what really um uh, touches me is when one of my employees um completes um their bachelor's degree or their master's degree and even their law degree. I have employees and they tell me that it's because of my emphasis on education and they looked at me as an example. And it you know, and I want to be a mentor to people and encourage them to succeed. Uh and it kinda you know, it kinda really is a is humbling to me to be able to touch the lives of so many people.
4: So is the um uh in running the office itself, um could you point to um a couple of things that you see that that needs to be done or in, and that you have an issue with the county government that uh that sets your budget that put things in in limbo at this time um well you
7: know um, um you know. Pretty much at this point, uh, the the biggest issue is the fact that we had to lay off a hundred people. You know, you're talking about the second largest court system in the country, and we uh, behind L.A. County, and the we have almost fifty percent of the cases that are filed in the entire state. There's a hundred and two counties, and I have almost fifty percent of the cases. That are filed in the entire state, um, so almost as many as the 101 counties. But yet, my budget, and compared to LA County's budget, is horrendous. It's so extremely low, and the number of employees that I have um, is so extremely low, and so uh, that's a that's that that's a problem, and it starts to affect your ability to serve but that's why I you know then I have to just reach in and find even more um more effective ways of managing the office. I you know, I um can sympathize with the woman. See, you can look at um uh contracts. You see the woman over at uh was it a medical examiner who couldn't get that contract done for transporting the uh, bodies to bury.
4: Right.
7: Those right. things directly affect your ability to get your job done. See, when the when it's coming up on the board agenda, and somebody may decide to play politics today and say, "Oh, I'm not sure. You know, is that too high? Let's send it to the finance committee to to look at it again." Then that throws your ability to operate back a few months. And you see what the results happen over there. Just a horrendous situation with the the loved ones of, of of people.
4: So you have to um be able to uh again we're going I'm going back to the point of how uh politics of the even the budget, uh do you take a role in um influencing the county government to to increase that budget or is it something that you just have to accept what they pass?
7: Well what I have to do is I have to um I have to put my budget together as best that I as I can and let the county board know what I feel as an elected official is necessary to run this office. And then, um, then, uh, according to the law, you know, the county board is supposed to ensure that I'm able to properly run the office in the most efficient uh, manner. Um, they then are responsible for giving me a lump sum. Uh, but after the lump sum sum is given, then they are not supposed to interfere. With my ability to uh, operate the office, Um, so, but. um, So with your
4: with your contract procurement, then does that rest with the uh, uh, the county board, or do you have any influence in your contract procurement of uh, of services?
7: the county board has to approve those things. And, you know, it's almost uh, oxymoron. It's almost like they're the conflicting uh, statements to say the county board is supposed to give you a budget uh, and then let you run your office, and then but then every time you need to do something, you have to go to the county board, and then, you know, uh, depending on uh, how people are feeling that day, they may or may not approve it. They actually, as long as it's in line with the budget, uh, should be approving it, uh, but uh, you, it doesn't always. Or were you usually are there, happens, usually over-exaggerating
4: happens. when you said yes. they have to prove, that which, uh, were you over-exaggerating when you said that the county board have to prove every dollar that you have to uh, operate for?
7: Well, <laughs> I, I would say everything has to go out for The purchasing um uh Director, I believe has a certain dollar amount up to which within certain types of expenditures that she can actually approve without you having to go to the county board. I think she can go up to a hundred thousand um but 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 not, but the elected official we cannot we have to get everything approved a dollar we have to get everything approved.
4: So uh, that has now. Is there any sense where you feel as though that, have, that that should be changed, or that there should be some type of legislation that will uh, to change that, so that maybe that would increase your efficiency in moving things forward? Uh, because I can think that that will slow down a process of your operation for. Yeah, no, it does I mean, hurt. Uh, it you know, I
7: think that maybe the purchasing guidelines could be revamped somewhat. They they changed that process simply because there were some people abusing it. Like when we were at, were able to do twenty five thousand, people would string, uh, you know, give somebody twenty five thousand this month and try to give them another twenty five thousand next month, and you can't do that. Because it's over 50 now, you know, and that, that extra 25 should have gone to the board once the contract went higher. So people, some people are getting around things and, and, and abusing it. Uh, but um, so there could be a look at the uh, budget, uh, the the purchasing guidelines, and and kind of um, loosen it up a little bit, Simply because we are elected, we have a responsibility to the people, and uh, and... As long as we have been allocated the funds, we should be, and and it's within the budget and it's within the guidelines of being able to run the office, we should be able to purchase things to so make it run more efficiently.
4: The, right. So with the uh, when we speak about uh, different government agencies, and and there's this term parity of the contract procurement. Uh, does that apply to your office? Parity? Well uh, of contracts. Of of you know, say for example we're looking at Cook County, I don't know where Cook uh Cook County governor is at, but at one time that uh I believe under uh Stroger there was a contract procurement of maybe about eighteen percent. And now I'm hearing that that contract procurement uh, among blacks is now mm-hmm. to maybe about ten uh, percent or. You're talking or about as
7: for as the does uh, that
4: same pardon?
7: Okay, I I understand what you're saying. You're talking about as, far as the um minority participation. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Right.
4: Does mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. relate to your office?
7: Yes, I mean I I have I make sure that there is minority participation in my contracts myself. Uh but there's also a a contract compliance department in the county that looks at every contract and ensures that that there is <clears throat> I believe it's maybe thirty thirty percent minority and five percent women. So it comes to thirty five percent uh participation. Uh, is that so,
4: something that your office is needing, or is that uh, you're still trying absolutely. to?
7: Absolutely. That's something that I do, I run, and I, when I first took office, my very first contract, when I took office, at that point, when I first took office, professional service contracts, the elected official had the ability to select a vendor at any dollar amount. So I had a half million dollar contract. I wanted to allocate for technology for my office, and I looked around. And I, I inquired as to whether or not I had to stick with this thirty percent distribution to minority, and they and they said no. And so I said, well, then if I have the sole authority to do this, then here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give fifty percent to a To a minority company African American And I'll select uh, a majority company And give the other 50% And that's what I did My very first contract Then Later on I had a lobbying, lobbying contract I wanted to give out And I said okay Is there anything in the purchasing guidelines And the rules That would not permit me To give this to a woman To be the general contractor And they said no I said okay well, I want this woman firm, and it was actually Maddie Hunter's firm, State Center Maddie Hunter, uh, I want this firm to be the general contractor, and i like this majority firm to be her sub. <laughs> and I now, did you're that.
4: speaking of before she became elected, yes. or is she Oh, yeah, no, it was before she became <laughs> elected. Okay, yeah, uh, Maddie and I, we went to high school together, just okay. saw so, Yeah, yes, she's a funny. great lady. Uh, so the business doing doing business with the uh, county clerk office, how much is that a that, uh, attention needs to be uh focused on that? Uh because we do hear about uh contract uh procurement with different uh government agencies, but there's not that much uh discussion regarding the county clerk office. Is Mm -hmm. that something that, um, uh, you know, is somewhat kind of mute, or is that something that uh, minority and black uh, vendors need to pay more closely attention to in trying to do business with the uh, county
7: clerk? Oh, uh, with the clerk of the court, because, you know, David Orr is the county clerk. Right. But um, minorities and blacks should pay more attention to us. Um, and um, hat, we need to make sure that you need to make sure that you are a uh, you know registered with the county, and um, and then just simply be able and go online periodically with the county and review the bids that are out there. They all go out on the county's website, and bid.
4: Okay. Well, we're going to uh, uh, take a, a, a quick break, and um, but I do want it to be on the record uh, that South Street Journal definitely endorses uh, your office, and I'd like to talk about that when we come back with that endorsement, and not only South Street Journal's endorsements, but the what does these endorsements mean nowadays? And uh, so, uh, Miss uh, Sonia Perdue.
3: Mr. Carter, you're listening to Black Wall Street USA. Our host is Ron Carter, chairman of Black Wall Street District Chicago, publisher and editor of the South Street Journal. I'm Sonia Cassandra Perdue, founder of Chicago's Black Business Network. Join us today and touch the world. Our theme for tonight is what is ahead for women in 2010 uh, in in the business and political arena? And Chairman, if we can, uh, we do have a few minutes left, and I'd, I'd really like Uh, for the princess to come back after this very short break. And just for us to touch on that for one minute before we leave. But let's go to a break. Thank you, clerk, for being with us. Thank you, princess, for being with us. And we will be right back. Just a little bit about who we are. Chicago's Black Business Network is a grassroots business-to-business service designed to assist the individual business owner in his or her efforts to reach the next level of service and growth in the marketplace. It is our goal to provide a platform for businesses to connect across the city and the country. This is where you create relationships that are designed to take your business to the next level of success. Chicago's Black Business Network is growing. We now have 800 plus members, and it is our mission to plant the seeds and provide the tools for growth to each of our members. Visit us today: www.chicagos that's Chicago with an S, Chicago's Black dot com. Join us today and touch the world. I'm Sonia Cassandra Purdue, founder.
8: We're the soul of Chicago. WJPC on Sunday. February 26th at 4 p.m., find yourself in the midst of a new experience when you attend The March, a Civil Rights Opera by Alan Marshall and Jonathan Stenson. This is a free event. Reservations are highly recommended. Pre-register by email at rsvp at civilrightsopera.com. Hosted by the Chicago Park District and the South Shore Opera Company. That's Sunday, February 26th at 4 p.m. at the South Shore Cultural Center, 7059 South Shore Drive in Chicago. For details on this drama in the making set in 1963, visit CivilRightsOpera.com. For true inspiration, check out singer, songwriter, and radio personality Sylvia Fedrick. Sylvia, your sister under God's
4: construction, brings to you her best in Christian contemporary gospel tunes. And
8: they are available for download at www.sangsyl.com. That's S-A-N-G-S-Y-L.com. Or you can visit her profile at Chicago Black Business Network. For bookings, call Sassy Michelle at 512-914-4221. La Divas of Chicago Catering at www.ledivas.com is offering a 40% discount on their delicious and delectable dishes for events of 100 persons or more until December thirty first, 2011. This offer cannot be used with any other offer. Call them now at 773-536-5432. That's 773-536-5432.
3: Proud and Privileged, America's first African-American anytime drama is getting ready for its first season and they want to celebrate with you, Chicago. Meet the cast and the production team of Proud and Privileged on Friday, March 23rd at the Prince Hall Masonic Temple located at 809 East 42nd Place in Chicago, 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. Enjoy great music, networking, refreshments, and photo ops, $25 in advance. $35 at the door. Advanced payment recommended to paypal.com at Chicago's, that's Chicago with an S, Chicago's Black Business Network at gmail.com. Get on board by calling us at 312-239-8835. Preview the trailer at www.storiesourway.tv Sponsored by South Street Journal, Chicago's Black Business Network and WJPC FM Chicago, the soul of Chicago. Welcome back and you're listening to Black Wall Street USA. I'm Sonia Cassandra Perdue. Wanna remind you that all of our shows are rebroadcast on Saturday mornings. Between 9 a.m. and noon, or on WJPC FM Chicago, the Soul of Chicago. Listen to great music 24 hours a day at www.wjpcchicago.com. We're going to welcome back our host Ron Carter, chairman of Black Wall Street Districts, and the publisher and editor of the South Street Journal, and our guest for this evening. Welcome back to the show, Ron. Welcome back, you know, everyone. Thank you. Oh,
4: yeah. Well, um uh, the princess is with us. I don't know, um uh Dorothy, I see that I get so comfortable with you, uh uh to our calling you Dorothy. With the, with oh, you know, no problem. Uh, <laughs> uh she made a point earlier that when she was coming to she she seen your picture on the wall
1: uh-huh, and
4: yes. uh she noted that, uh, that she is the be, uh, being an, uh a candidate in in her country, and her mother's name was Dorothy, and how much of an inspiration that you uh, gave her. Wow. Uh, taking that in consideration, how do you look at your role as being an inspiration? And then, Princess, you can jump in as well as uh, the role and the, uh, and to a greater point, uh, Miss Brown, you are becoming an institution in Chicago itself um, based on the work and the outreach that you have done and which uh, definitely makes uh, South Street Journal uh, an honor to be able to endorse you for re-election. But with the inspiration that you have been giving people all the way from our princess who is running for elected official, uh, running for as an elected official as well, how do you uphold and how do you see yourself being in that position?
7: Well, I uh, I do see it as a, a, a responsibility to be a role model, if you will, to to young people, um, uh, to women as well as men, as to how you should uh, comport uh, yourself and the public. And, um, you know, just to be an example of... Um, of integrity, be an example of of strength, of character, and of of, of just fairness to uh, people. So I, I see it as my personal responsibility to carry myself uh, in uh, the best way possible uh, for others, and and I I see it as a responsibility to the uh, legacy of my parents as well.
4: Mm-hmm. well you as uh, south Street journal is definitely making that endorsement uh of your candidacy, but we do know that the bottom line is for people to vote regardless of what um a publication or a individual make for their endorsement but how do you weigh those uh, the backing of of a newspaper or other elected officials endorsing your candidacy uh, opposed to knowing, as you stated earlier, your or your political organization being able to do what it needs to do regardless of the endorsement. But how do you weigh name I think recognition? it's very
7: important to have the endorsement of uh, various newspapers and and uh, elected officials, and and just people in general, of course, you know, influential people who can influence influence others, I think is very important. But as you said, is it, it the real endorsement comes on election day, <laughs> and so therefore, yes, yes. Uh, you need to be able to get your vote out, um, have people out there on the street for you, because you do get a certain percentage of votes by just simply having your name out there. I know when I first came to Chicago and really didn't know anyone here when I went to that poll, I actually was dependent on someone to be standing out there with something to tell me how to vote and I imagine yes. that there are a lot of people like that out there
4: mm-hmm. so, yeah, with the the, mm-hmm. so with the um uh I guess the position and when as it shows our title, uh women and we're looking at women that are in business, women are that are uh elected officials, as our princess is getting ready to run for elected office in her country. How much emphasis should we be putting on women? in these roles, or is it an absence, or is it, has it caught up to, to par, or is it still a long way to go, uh, and so how, how do you all assess that, and Chris, as you can jump in that as well.
0: Okay, thank you. Uh, first of all, I wanted to say thank you so much. I'm so honored to be on this show with uh, the clerk, Dorothy Brown. You're such a huge inspiration in my life. We actually Printed out your picture, and we have it here in our
7: home. <laughs> oh, wonderful, thank you.
0: Seriously, and um, I can rest assure you, from my home, I have two daughters who are actually voting age. Uh-huh. I'll make sure they show up and vote for you. <laughs> <laughs>
7: Very good, thank you.
0: Yeah, and then also the email uh, on the flyer promoting this show. Uh, on my part, I've circulated it everywhere because I want to see you see you back in office, like i 'm running behind you i'm so inspired by who you are and also to see that african american women in office for us from africa we are so thrilled to see that and we, we need more african pe- uh people in office you know visible
7: mhm absolutely and and women uh women i think uh, really and queen thank you uh Princess thank you so much for that uh, uh, for that uh inspiring those inspiring remarks. Uh, for me, you know, it's always nice to hear someone say that you um, inspire them or motivate them. And, uh, Ron, thank you for your endorsement as well. But uh, uh, what I was going to say is women bring a different sense uh, to an office uh, sometimes. And, and from the standpoint of sensitivity to certain issues, uh, we will push a little harder on education We'll push a little hard on health care. Uh, we push very hard on customer services, which is something that I push very hard on uh, in my office because it's more administrative. And we're going to go above and beyond in doing things uh, like what I've done with uh, the expungement run and and the mortgage foreclosure surplus even that I've done and trying to reach out and find the people that have money coming to them. Uh, and so it's important that we have, a good representation of women in public office because I think that um, women can be very organized and can get things done. Well,
4: in Chicago, it seems as though there are, and I haven't did the, I'm just going off the top of my head, I believe there's more black female elected officials the males, or was it, is it, was it just about even, or close to even?
7: I mean, just a ballpark vision. What you say is? I know on the city council, there are more black females. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. On the city council, uh, uh, black
7: females. Uh, in the state, okay. uh, I haven't done the numbers there, but um, well, you know, you're right. <laughs>
4: Yeah, even though in in uh on the county level, there's you, there's uh, Tony Preckwickle, uh then on the city level there's uh uh, nearly, uh the city treasurer. Uh it seems though you all have uh I think you all are the majority as far as elected officials when it comes to the African American uh, population, uh, and I think you're right. It's a a ballpark region. I'm not you know, I am not looking at no numbers or looking at no names. Uh, why is that? Or if it just so happens that uh a and, and matter of fact it's not only that, but it's it's a growing uh black females into business as well in the uh corporate sector as well. It is it, starting to increase. It's um, is there a certain reason for that or is it just how it's happening
7: <laughs> well I, you know i i i i really you know am not sure but you know sometimes people do trust women uh if you notice mm-hmm. when people are voting for judges they'll look for a female name if they don't know anybody on the list uh, the first Thing they'll do is if it's an African American community, sometimes they'll look for an African American sounding name. If there's no African American sounding name, what's the next choice? A woman, because people just trust women. It appears, um, not that it necessarily is the case, but it appears that they, they trust women more. Um, and but you know, from a congressional standpoint in the United States Senate, you know. Uh, we are not the majority, so we need. We mm-hmm. there's still a lot more work to do, and of course, there's never been a woman president. So we there's still a lot of work to do, but um, but we're we're moving along, and we continue to uh, uh, increase our numbers.
4: So, is there I... any other elective post that you may be looking for, um, Ms. Brown? Well, right now, year, I'm election?
7: focusing on reelection, you know, I. But
4: uh, you know most part, you know you know I, most part, I mean, you, you know, mostly elected
7: officials say that we are focusing on this election. Yeah, ever. but I for a couple of offices, and those were not. I was not successful in, in those. So, and and it's not to say that. And the only reason I ran for those offices is because I felt like I had the qualifications and would be able to help and would be able to serve. And that's not to say that I don't enjoy what I do because I do enjoy doing what I do. And so, we want to. Um, <clears throat> Just simply at this point, um, you know, run for this office and get reelected, and implement even more things that um, we feel are important for um, making this office run more efficiently.
3: Mm-hmm. And I know okay, that our chairman so, yeah. is not watching the clock, right. Mr.
7: Carter. And uh, we're going Ooh,
3: to have some final yeah. remarks from the clerk and from Francis. Yeah, I know right. you're watching. Okay. And uh, we're going to have some final remarks from the clerk, and we're going to thank both of them for being with us. And we're going to close out the show, Ron Carter.
4: Uh, yes, I blew it that time. <laughs> <laughs> so I was getting ready to get into it. Yes, yeah, let's have some closing remarks before Sonia uh, snap a whip at me real quick.
7: Uh, which one
4: do you want Stay to
0: pres- uh, pres- Okay. <laughs> okay, thank you so much for having me on this show. I, I, I strongly believe um, with what Ron Carter said before, it's a working process, you know. Uh, we're going to continue getting our voices heard out there because, yes, in as much as America is an inspiration to us in Africa, we also have a lot of work to do in Africa, and we need to include women. And it's looking positive because the women are feeling uh, being inspired by American, um, especially African-American leaders in this country. So learning from them, we can take it home. And not only do we take it home, in the process, we get to link the, you know, the, the two continents, the okay. African-American community, right. community here with Africa, and that's my part. Thank you so much.
4: <laughs> okay. Yes. uh yes. Brown?
7: It is just such a pleasure uh, being on tonight and especially being on with uh, Queen uh, Queen, you uh, continue to work hard, and, and I'm sure you'll be very successful uh, in your race in Africa. Uh, and, uh, Ron, I want to thank you again for um, your endorsement. And um, we want people, uh, we do have our punch numbers already. My number is 82. And I say, you know, you know what to do, punch 82 for Dorothy Brown. Correct. Uh, And I'll be there for you. How about that? (laughs) Right, and And
4: we're going to be there for you as well. Uh, So, Sonia, you can beat me up later on, Uh, not tonight, uh, because you haven't got that much time to beat me up, so.
3: <laughs> That's okay. You listen to Black Wall Street USA. We want to thank our guest, uh, the Honorable Dorothy Brown, Clerk of the Circuit Court in Chicago Cook County Circuit Court in Chicago. Princess, we appreciate you being here, and uh, we're gonna do another interview with you because we didn't even t- scratch it. Princess, and we we have a lot you have a lot that we need to hear about. Uh, when you got on that subject about the carper, I was ready to go all the way deep. So we're gonna we're gonna be sure that we invite you back again, Princess. I thank you so much for taking the time. Remember that our shows are rebroadcast on Saturday morning between 9 a.m. and noon on WJPC FM Chicago, the Soul of Chicago. Good evening, everyone, and we appreciate you joining us. Good night, everybody.
4: Uh, good night all.